So hi, Leslie. Hi, Serge. So we're having this conversation that was sparked by an exchange, an article and an exchange, and, and I was responding to something you wrote about having a healthy respect for your limited vision of how life may unfold. Mm -hmm. And right. so maybe that's kind of our starting point in this, uh, in this discussion. Sure. Would you like me to just start by elaborating what I meant? Yeah. Yeah. Good place. Okay. Sure. So what I was, what I was saying at the time was just that as a therapist, in my development as a therapist, I have grown to, um, develop a very, while I feel like I can do very good work as a therapist, I also have a very healthy respect for my limitations. Mm -hmm. So that I'm conscious and my patients would tell you I'll very often say, you know, I'm not God. I can't predict what will happen. Um, but here are my thoughts. Or, you know, here's what I see happening or whatever. And it's because I know there are things I can't see. Or even if I am getting a, um, a thorough enough perspective, um, I still don't know, the, don't know the ramifications if somebody changes in a particular way. I have some ideas, hopefully more ideas than they might have because of my experience in what I do. But it's still limited. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll, give you, I'll actually give you a very concrete example. I used to run a uh, woman's trauma program. So we had people who came in, um, and these women had histories of severe physical, sexual, and emotional abuse. And they were in an inpatient or in a day hospitalization, so they'd come and stay all day. Um, and one of the women who had um, a very severe history, it was, it was quite sad, and she struggled all the time with um, suicidal thoughts, struggled with it for years. She came back, she, she went, took a vacation or something, she came back, and you know what? At least for the time, suicidal thoughts were gone. Hmm. What happened was, she went on an airplane, and it was a particularly turbulent flight, and she found herself praying to God that the airplane wouldn't crash. And you know, it shifted her perspective. There's no way I ever could have predicted, you know, somebody with that kind of history would have that kind of response. Mm-hmm. I feel like those things happen all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I have a healthy respect for <laughs> what I, I can't know, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So so I, I certainly resonate a lot with what you're saying. And the example is a very dramatic example in lots of ways, uh, not just about what we can't predict, but also what is it that makes change. And, uh, and we're supposed to be, as therapists, uh, people who know about change and how to make it happen. And in a way, that healthy respect for not knowing uh, what it is that actually makes people change or helps people change. Um, and uh, the part where I'm really also resonating with you is that sense of being on a, you know, doing a high-wire act uh, with, on the one hand, you know, having confidence uh, and embodying a sense of confidence that change is possible and change can be for the better. Uh, and that, you know, our clients need a sense of that. But on the other hand, not going from confidence into hubris, uh, and, and how to, how to maintain that. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect way to put it. And, and I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, I, the other thing that I really have a healthier respect for is the importance of bringing um, myself, my being, to the person, that real connection, mm -hmm. without making the sessions about me. So mm -hmm. 
They don't come in to get help from them, and then I get to talk about me. But um, how do you really be fully yourself and fully connect? Because I do believe that it's that a huge piece of change happens through the connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but that's not always an easy thing, to, you know, to achieve. It comes, it, it goes, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, beyond, to some degree, beyond my control. I like to think I can influence it. But there are things that, you know, that are happening within me, things that are happening with them, within them that they may not be ready to access. And so to somehow, like you say, do that, that, that balance act mm-hmm. of um, kind of having confidence, not too much confidence, being able to feel like I'm doing my best. And if it's not happening in a moment, still trying, but not trying to do more than can be done. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, as you're talking, I'm also seeing you, and so I'm I'm seeing your body language, and there is a movement of your hands, a movement of your head, uh, which totally I can resonate with in that sense of uh, it's almost like say uh, a sense of modeling clay or modeling play-doh of acting. And uh, what you're talking about is you do something, you see the result, you adjust. Uh, so it's almost a physical sense of modeling play uh, where um, you're, you get a response and you act in response to this response. Uh, so it's an inter- interactive process. It's a, uh, you know, as opposed to simply being something where you build something based on a predetermined idea. Absolutely. I mean, is that also what you have, what you find? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so actually very much, you know, when you're talking about um, that sense of, uh, you know, the, you said something about the change happens in the connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I find very useful is actually, if I think of it as I am bringing change or I'm bringing process, you know, I'm, so much I don't control, it's another person. But in a way, the scope of what I do is I'm in a relationship in, in that, you know, therapeutic relationship, in that relational mindfulness with somebody. And there's a field that we're both in. And we're kind of working on these issues. Uh, and there's the person, and I'm resonating with the person, and I'm reflecting. And uh, But so there is an interpersonal process. Um, where I have a role. I'm not just like a friend or, uh, but it's, what I'm bringing is that process as opposed to necessarily the technique or the approach on how to make the change. And. I, yeah, I, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I think, you know, what's tricky, and I think this is true as you develop expertise in any area. So mm-hmm. we have to be talking about therapy, but you know, you have to, the techniques I think are important. I think you have to work hard. It's kind of mechanical at first. You figure it out. You learn it. And then I think it's important to let it go. Mm-hmm. And then while you're in the process, you can grab for those techniques, you know, and use them to facilitate the process that's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing I was going to say is uh, there is the relationship between the patient and myself, but there's also uh, very strongly the relationship within them. And I, I work hard to help them facilitate that back and forth. Mm-hmm. So more and more in the therapy that I, that I do, um, I encourage people to actually stop talking 
Um, I don't do any, I don't lay my hands on him or anything. It's not the kind of work I do. But I just have him stop talking and pay attention to what's happening inside. And I say, you know, I just want you to stay with it until you're like, until you have it, until you're with it. And then we go back and we talk. Mm -hmm. So that's one way. And I'll do it in different ways, but where I really encourage people to develop that inner relationship. So we kind of have these um, two processes going on. You know, so I'll facilitate the between us and then the within them. Mm -hmm. And then I'm sure you can appreciate this. I'm also very try to balance the within me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. emotionally I'm resonating or I'm feeling what they can't access yet. Mm -hmm. And the more I have access to that, the better I can help guide them. This is a lot. It, now it's, doesn't feel that complicated when I'm doing it, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am. I am very much in sync with you. Uh, you know, and I, I, I call this moment, you know, active pause. You know, the, that uh, bringing the the person uh, to okay. So you know, interrupt. It's a it's a rupture. It's uh, you know just not going on the uh, same same old. But going inside to check um, and have that experience, and of course, you know, as you said, you know, I do it myself because otherwise, one is it's fake, you know, and there's not, you know, so it's it's a, it's embodying that that kind of quality that also helps the client go back and forth, and that the resonance that I'm bringing to the client is in a way how I'm impacted by them. Uh, and as you said before, you know, it's not about me, you know, uh, so it's not about me telling them my life, but there is a part of filtering, uh, you know, what my reaction is and what is going to be what I'm going to, to play back, that it's not just like a mirror or uh, a tape recorder, but it has, what they've said has impacted another person, and I'm giving that back to them. Right, right, absolutely, it's exactly what I'm talking about. It brings to mind, um, so part of uh, what I do within my practice is I train mental health professionals. I, I kind of do this tour thing. And so part of what I'm talking about is leaving all the uh, jargon out, what mm -hmm. it is I talk with the therapist about. But there's a couple of concepts that I think are real essential in this. And one is um, I'll talk with therapists about um, using benevolent curiosity. So with therapists, we know, you know, you, you'll ask people questions, you want them to be curious and expand, but I think the benevolent part is really important. So I'm invested, I'm caring as I'm asking, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and if they can have that experience, and then they can learn as I have them redirect to themselves to approach themselves with that benevolent curiosity. I think it's hugely important in being able to access, um, back to where we started, the things that we can't know, because mm -hmm. you know, one of the things is the things that aren't in the awareness yet. And it's an invitation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then the other piece that has struck me, you know, when you use the term mindfulness, you know, um, I talk a lot with people about uh, compassionate self-awareness. I think it's huge. So there's a lot developing in the field about self-compassion. Um, and inherent in that, but it's really not expanded enough, is the needing to be more self-aware, and the mindfulness obviously speaks to that. And I think the more... You can have that self-compassion with the self-awareness, and you can expand that. I think it, it speaks to that being able to be open to what unfolds, and being it helps to do that high wire act, because mm -hmm. you can kind of move with the flow of things, you know, have compassion for what comes up, because when people don't have compassion, when they get frustrated, when they butt up against it, that's when 
you get off track. Right. The more you can stay with something and the, the self-compassion and having the compassion helps you be open, then you can be open to the, the changes, ramifications you didn't see or however. It's, it's a very organic process. You're open to the organic process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You as a therapist as well as the person you're working with. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I really like the phrase of benevolent curiosity and, and how, uh, you know, that it, it's a nice uh, way to complement the word self-awareness because, you know, there's a line between self-awareness and self-consciousness. And self-conscious is that sense of being self-critical or internalizing the critic and or viewing things through the eye of criticism. And uh, I like that idea that you have the curiosity um, but that's also with that sense of benevolence so that, uh, you know, it's going to be about wanting to understand and wanting to be with it uh, as opposed to being outside and judging it. And, uh, and I, I agree that in a way that the role of the therapist there uh, is to be part of, in a way, embodying, experiencing that attitude, you know, ourselves. Uh, so that the field itself is permeated with that. And that's, that's kind of where, in a way, we both are processing this. Yeah, and I, I think one of the nice things is a lot of what we're talking about is relatively new in therapy, new to the mainstream of therapy. I know that when I was trained, there wasn't as much focus on... Um, the connection piece, mm-hmm. you know, I would have been told to be curious about the patient, ask questions, but I, I think the emphasis on the benevolent part would not have been there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't um, just generally as emphasized as much. But I see it coming more and more into the literature, into, and I think it's, it's very interesting, with different um, therapy traditions, I think they're, they're all kind of coming to it mm-hmm. in their own ways. Um, so I just, I think that's great because that allows for, a more enriched perspective, and I do think, hopefully, it also brings for most therapists that awareness of there's so much going on, even within what can be known, maybe more than we could possibly pay attention to in a moment, not to mention the things that happen that can't be, like my patient who was on the airplane, that's not something we could have known, right. certainly not something we were going to arrange. Um, so I think as we broaden the awareness of these different things we're talking about. I guess I'm just repeating myself now, but it would enrich the experience and help us to be more open to things we, we can't know and kind of go with that and and take it as a as a strength as opposed to a weakness. Yeah, yeah. so I, I like this and I want to, to, in a way, repeat and emphasize what you said because I resonate with it a lot. You talk about open, uh, you know, and um, and so... Uh, and, and open to what we don't know. Um, and I think that, in a way, um, the implicit model that we have in lots of ways in our culture is a sense that it's important to know and what needs to know in order to act. And if we you know, use a medical model, uh, you have to have a diagnosis and once you have a diagnosis, you have a treatment plan, and you have procedures that you apply. So there is kind of a top-down model uh, that is predicated on having an understanding of the situation uh, and having a totally accurate understanding of the situation in order to proceed and execute the treatment. Uh, 
And, and the model that, you know, we're talking about, obviously, is not about complete ignorance and uh, total uh, improvisation, but it's something that happens more in the relationship itself, where, in a way, the scope of what we're delivering is an environment that we're co-creating, uh, where there is a certain way of processing uh, and of shared processing that we're doing with people, uh, in which, you know, really, that's a service we're providing, as opposed to, uh, I'm curing you, I'm doing this, I'm giving you a pill for this, or, you know, but we're, we're offering that process um, that we do together, so that, uh, you know, when we go too much beyond the scope of the process, and in a way we go into predicting uh, a specific outcome, you know, obviously we can make educated guesses, but we're kind of not so much, you know, getting into the, the actual scope of what we are qualified to do. I, I, you know, one of the ways I think about it is shifting from content-focused to process-focused. You mm-hmm. can use the word process. And sometimes my patients will say, well, I don't remember, you know, exactly what happens. I don't know. I'm like, you know what, you don't, you don't have to know. Let's mm-hmm. just pay attention to what it is you're experiencing. What's the process? What's mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. to the process? And you can figure it out, even if we have some of the details of the content missing. Because when people come into therapy, the struggles really are about the process, the experiencing, mm-hmm. more than the content of things. Mm-hmm. I don't, you don't have to know that your mother said this, or your father did this, or that particular thing happened. Or, you know, or when I see couples, it's not about who was right and who was wrong and who, you know, this isn't a court of law. Right. It's, how they interact is about the process. So I, I, and it's hard because I think naturally we think in terms of content, you know, that's something that's concrete and hard. And to shift to the process is what we as therapists, I think, bring to people. Mm-hmm. And um, you can really get through most situations if you pay attention to that. Right, right. And so, so in a way, you know, the, the caveat emptor to, to, the, to the client is to say, look, what we can do is we're good at, at giving you that, uh, at training you into this process and processing with you and, and training you in such a way that then you can internalize it and apply it in your own life. Uh, together we can come up with some responses, with some things, but basically we're testing things. And uh, earlier, uh, you know, the way you were talking about things is you said, I'm not God. You know, and, and my, my similar phrase is to tell people this is a working hypothesis. You know, uh, we're, you know, this is not a diagnosis, a working hypothesis. We work on it and we play together to see where it brings us and then we can change it. Um, and so in a way, when we're in that place, I think this is kind of a magical place where, uh, in a way, we don't have to know with the kind of certainty uh, and we are prepared for the fact that there can be all kinds of unforeseen circumstances. Right. And certainly there's <clears throat> plenty in the literature about the idea of the therapy room being a place where people learn to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in one of the things I will, um, actually when I'm, I'm training the therapist, I will talk about uh, there's certain processes. The, the focus being, <laughs> how to put it, but um, we're trying to get, Kind of yoga for the mind. Mm-hmm. That's how I think of it. So they're trying, we're trying to help people be more flexible with how they think. We don't have to get them to the right way of thinking as much as to be flexible in how they think. They can consider things from different perspectives. They can, you know, play with w- what can be 
mm-hmm. or what how things are experienced from the different perspectives. Mm-hmm. That's huge. It's it's so central, as you were saying, to what to what we do. Right, and so it's like the the Suzuki concept of beginner's mind. You know, like in the expert mind, there's only one way, and in the beginner's mind, there's different ways. So opening up that sense of going from the automatic mode to oh, there might be more ways to think about it, more ways to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know about you. I never liked being called an expert. <laughs> Honestly, I uh, do some work for WebMD, and they have me as like the relationships expert. I'm like, ah. and I think it's probably because of that. I don't, you know, because as soon as you know it all, right? But you like, that's bad. That doesn't doesn't work. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I no, I have that same reaction, uh, and it's an interesting part because in a way it's the same high wire act. That on the one hand, you know, you do want to uh, to be knowledgeable and to you know just a it's a field that you pay a lot of attention to. So in that sense of expert, yes, but in the sense of expert, you know it all. It's a, it's such a turn off and an impossibility. I absolutely, and that's right, and right. So I want people to appreciate what I have to bring, yeah, but not overstate it. And it, it's hard because I don't think there's a way that you can just in a word capture that. It's too easy for people to grab onto, or maybe us in our own hubris to say, "Oh yeah, I'm the expert," you know, and grab onto. Mm-hmm. Take it too seriously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it, it's, it seems it's very related in a way to how we started this process about the unintended changes, you know, the, that concept of um, what do we do, client comes and, you know, do you know that, that humility about knowing what we do, what we don't know. Uh, and I think the way we're talking about it is to say, okay, so what we know, you know, and, and the, the, the degree to which we can call ourselves expert is maybe in processing, or we have such a strong interest and passion for processing that we can bring people into there. But uh, if we think in terms of outcomes or in terms of path or in terms of advice, uh, yeah, we have to have much, much more of that humility. And again, it's more complicated because having that humility doesn't mean not doing it. Because if we were not doing it, we'd be paralyzed. So, you know, finding a way to act with uncertain knowledge, with, you know. Yeah, I, c- I couldn't say it better myself. It's, <laughs> it's, it, it's, hard, it's hard stuff to wrap your hands around. Yeah, yeah. And so the part that is exciting to me as we're talking about it is to say, you know, in a way what this discussion is about therapy, but it's about life. You know, as a human being, you know, there's so much I don't know about life. Uh, and in a way, uh, it's, it's, you know, and I wish I knew, and I have a yearning for, you know, is there a one, two, three method to go? Is there a right answer and a wrong answer? Uh, what is, you know, all of these big questions, mm-hmm. uh, which I also know, you know, there's no answer. But so, in a way, there's a temptation as a therapist to want to embody the response to this yearning and to act like the person who knows because in some way the, the, the client induces that and, you know, there is something also, you know, ego, you know, syntonic about the therapist feeling, wow, I know I'm this person. And instead of, in a way, staying within the limits of the human condition, mm-hmm. of not knowing but still having to make decisions and acting while not knowing. Right, right. I know that... um 
you know, one thing that comes up for, certainly has come up for me, but I think for therapists in general, is when people get into such a bad spot and they just look at you and they're, you're, they're like, they're in, they're in pain and you know you can't just fix it, but that's what they want, even if they know it's, you can't do it. And to be able to honestly and earnestly fall back to, I can feel your pain. I really wish I could wave a magic wand, you know, like, and to share the compassion. And also the the frustration or the, the recognition of the limitations of, but I'm only a person too, and all I can do is offer my caring, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and obviously, mm-hmm. I'm sure you feel this way too, you know, having the faith that that in and of itself, while it won't fix it all, can be healing, can be helpful. Yeah, yeah. So, it's tricky because I'm saying I'm powerless, in a sense I'm powerless, and yet by acknowledging I'm powerless about something I'm connecting about, there is some... I hate to use the word power, but some power in that, some healing in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, there's something, as you were saying it, uh, that I found touching as a beginning, you were saying, you know, the sense of looking at the client in the eye or, you know, that looking at the client in that part. Uh, and I felt touched by it because, uh, in a way, if we just said, if you were just saying um, a client is asking for help and you say, oh, no, you know, I... I'm not all powerful, I'm like you, you know. Um, it sounds easy and obvious. But the part about looking in the eye, and in a way, what you were capturing is the moment of actually feeling the client's distress and how much they would want you to have the answer. Uh, and what it feels inside to realize you don't. Uh, you know, I think that's a difficult is it puts us at, the, at that moment in, in that emotional situation where, which is a very intense one, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and you say, uh, you know, having some faith that simply doing this is going to be helpful. Um, I have the faith in general, but in the moment when, in a way, I'm looking in the eye of a person who wants to have answers and I don't, uh, and I say, if I were in your place, I don't know what I would do. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a hard place to be. And at that moment, I don't have the faith that this is enough. Um, I think it might be enough. It might help. But I really don't know. So there's a a very difficult moment. Yeah, I guess one of the things that it brings up for me in those moments is at at that moment, I feel like a fellow traveler. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not the expert that's going to make it better, but I can tell you I'm feeling, in a sense, what you're feeling. I wish... I really wish I could help you out of it. Like, it hurts. It hurts my heart to not be able to do more. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm feeling the mirror image of what they're feeling. That's yeah, that yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That I hope, if if isn't helpful directly, at least helps them feel there's somebody beside them. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to just an expert staring back at them. Yeah, so... Yes, I feel, you know, that sense of, I feel it's really painful to not be able to help you. Uh, and uh, it's also painful as it makes me realize how, in a way, powerless I am in front of big issues and so on. So it's not just in a way that, you know, uh, you as the client are in dire straits and I'm okay. But in a way, I'm also, con- and, and of course, I feel empathy for you and compassion for you, and I wish I could help you. But it also makes me realize, in a way, the limitations of, you know, me and all beings in front of big issues. Yeah, it's funny. You just said, um, you know, well, of course, I, I wish I could help you without, you know, 
I wish I could make it better. But I think one of the things that can make these, in the long run, if not in the moment, healing, because I see this happen a lot, when I will have these moments with people, they feel, what comes up for them is they're sure that I would feel like I wouldn't want them to be, like, I want to just get rid of them all already. Like, who would want to be mm-hmm. in a room with them? You know, and if all I'm do, if all they're doing is making me feel bad, then, um, of course I wouldn't want them around. And so to be able to express to them, I feel your pain, I feel the frustration of not being able to make it better, and I appreciate it, it doesn't make me want to get rid of you. It just makes me want to sit with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If that's the least I, you know, if that's all I can do, I want to be with you because, and I don't just, I don't say it exactly like this, but, but truly because I feel the value in you and what you're experiencing and you don't have to be happy for me to appreciate you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is, is huge, but it's not something, I don't think it's a verbal thing. I think that has to be an interactional thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to truly feel it. You have to be, you have to be genuine as a therapist because if you don't truly feel it, doesn't, it really, you can't fake that. No, no. And so, so, you know, I, I really, I, I'm thinking about specific instances, you know, of this. And, and I'm, as you're talking, I'm saying, yeah, and for me, the word that comes up is a struggle. When you say you have to be feeling that. And I know in that moment, uh, it is a struggle, you know, because there is a part that says it's too much or it's this or it's that. And, and so it's a struggle to stay with it. And to find that place to say it is difficult to stay with it. I have trouble staying with that. I have trouble staying with you, you know. Uh, and I want to stay with you. And, I, and I'm trying to find a place where I'm not forcing myself to live up to a certain image I have of what I should be doing. But in what way, you know, so in a way the question is in, in what way can I bear to stay with you in this difficult area? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I have more to add. <laughs> you know, it's such, to me, the, this whole thing we're talking about is such a process thing, such an experience thing, and we can get at, get near what, what it is we're talking about, but it's like, you know, like they say, like trying to describe a color. You can describe mm-hmm. it, but it's not a replacement for actually experiencing seeing the color, and that's mm-hmm. what I feel to a degree what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's my reaction to as I'm listening to you. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about process and experience. And and we're talking about it. What we have to offer is this. And so in a way, uh, you know, what seems to be a, in a way a conclusion about the process we've, we've had uh, is to that question about knowing and, and the humility um, is something about in a way coming back to the sense that uh, uh, what we are in on firm ground is on that part that is the moving field of process and of experience as opposed to content categories uh diagnosis you know right. knowledge. it is funny to hear you say we're on the firm we're on firm ground with with the moving yeah <laughs> it's a little hard to be on firm ground with that but it's true you do get a sense of you know it, it, uh, it's a paradox you know that 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 you know we that's kind of where what we do and and what we do is it's not solid but right yeah i think of it as you know riding the wave people talk about right you know like surfing you know riding mm-hmm. the wave of emotion riding the wave of process so this way you know, as long as you're well-balanced, you're on top, you can go up and down with it. <laughs> so, 
So I like that phrase, and it might be a good way to end. I'm not sure, but I'm going to repeat it to see if it feels right to you. The riding the wave of process. Works for me. <laughs> Thanks, Leslie. All right. Serge, thank you very much. This has been fun. <laughs> this recording is part of the podcast at relationalimplicit.com. Please. Uh, diagnosis, you know, for knowledge. It is funny to hear you say we're on the firm, we're on firm ground with, with the moving. Yeah. Process. <laughs> it's a little hard to be on firm ground with that, but it's true. You do get a sense of, you know, the, the, uh, it's a paradox, you know, that, 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 you know, we, that's kind of where, what we do. And, and what we do is it's not solid. But, right. Yeah, I think of it as, you know, riding the wave. People talk about, you know, like surfing, you know, riding mm-hmm. the wave of emotion, riding the wave of process. So this way, you know, as long as you're well balanced, you're on top, you can go up and down with it. <laughs> so I like that phrase, and it might be a good way to end. I'm not sure, but I'm going to repeat it to see if it feels right to you. The riding the wave of process. Works for me. <laughs> Thanks, Leslie. All right. Serge, thank you very much. This has been fun. <laughs> This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website, relationalimplicit.com.